everyone. Before we start, if you'd like to see the video version of my episodes, where you can even see what I look like, head on over to my YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes. Thanks for all the support. Now let's dive in. All of the years I've been in business, it has never once been about the money. They feel like you don't care because you don't know what's going on in your business. Whose fault is that? You're now tuned into Tender Love and Cash, the place where ambitious men and women turn to for business strategies that not only skyrocket their profits, but also position them to serve the masses and make money doing what they love. I'm Amber Anthony, profit booster, efficiency driver, strategy specialist, and lover of all things analytical and I'm going to help demystify difficult topics and concepts, crunch the numbers, and use real data to craft a strategic approach that supports business owners with a solid framework to operate a well-planned cash-generating machine. I can't promise to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll guarantee you'll get the guidance you need to hear to launch, grow, and build the business of your dreams with confidence. Let's dive in. On today's episode, we're going to talk about bringing on new team members. So you've been doing this thing for a while. You are a solopreneur. You have been outsourcing different things and you've gotten incredibly busy. Money is starting to flow in and you realize you need help. So what is the first hire you make? Everybody has a different opinion when it comes to this, and a lot of people just use the catchy role or title. Oh, you need an operator. Oh, you need a finance person. I want you to understand that there are levels to this, specifically in all of the areas, frankly, okay? Because when we're going to talk about finance in particular, what are we talking about? Oh, get a CPA, get an accountant, get a CFO get a tax advisor. All four of those skill sets are completely different. It's hard to find an all-in-one. So which one do you need first? Because also all of those four professions are quite expensive, oftentimes over $100 an hour, depending on the complexity of the problems that need to be solved. When it comes to operators, What does that mean? Well, is this a project manager? Are you wanting an operator to oversee the entire business? Is there a particular department that you want somebody to go in and manage or get a middle manager, et cetera? The only way you would know this as a new business owner is if you understood organizational structure. And a lot of us don't. Even those of us who work for corporations or even government We don't really pay attention to the hierarchy, the organizational charts. And even if we did see an organizational chart on some website or in our handbook or in some packet, let's be honest, do the titles really match the names in the box? And do you even have an understanding of what those titles and positions are and how they affect your role? much less all the other roles in the company, right? 
we don't think that broad until we have to. But by that point, all we've done is solicit help because we need help. And many of us make huge and costly mistakes in the beginning by doing so. It's very common for founders to onboard friends and family, not to say that that's good or bad, but do your friends and family even understand the job, the skill set, et cetera? The other common mistake that founders, business owners make is when they hire on their first person, they are completely overwhelmed at what the individual is asking for compensation because you didn't get paid that for the first five years. Heck, I know plenty of founders and business owners right now that are paying some of their support staff more than they're paying themselves because they're in a season where they understand that they had to build out a team, but they're driving the sales and eventually everything will catch up. But they understand that they have to reinvest some of their compensation or profit into building the team to scale. So when you do the final calculation at the end of the day, it is not uncommon that say your right hand is actually taking home more money than you are during certain phases of your business. And that's just the reality of things. And when business is small and when the founder is still the one solving all of the problems at the end of the day, oftentimes you are having these candid conversations with your team and your team is fully aware of everything about you. They have an inside view into all your strengths and weaknesses. And I'm here for transparency 100% especially if you've decided to, you know, be a brand and be very transparent on social media, et cetera. It's a hard thing to do because now people can hold you accountable and will be the first to call you a hypocrite. So the way that you navigate through all of this is to really document and understand everything. And it is actually one of my favorite things to do. I love coming in a company and taking a look at the operations, watching the workflow, watching the ins and outs of things, looking at the back end, looking how things go from start to finish, and then ripping it apart and putting it together, make sure it's running optimally. Documenting every single little thing with checklists. Understanding how much time it takes to accomplish a particular task. What is the max volume that could potentially happen, et cetera? And for small businesses, this can all be done quickly while the business is still in its infancy stage. And I actually recommend you as the business owner founder, before you even hire on anybody, do this exercise. I will include some examples in the show notes just to show you that this is not intimidating. You don't need a professional to come in and do this strategy or analysis for you, even though that's exactly why people hire me. But at that point, there are, their businesses are already at the million-dollar mark, and they've already piled on what possibly could be too many team members. Or my personal favorite is when the founder CEO comes into the office and let's just say the sky is falling and something didn't get taken care of. And not only does that individual walk in and not know some of the people who are walking around in their office, never seen them before in their lives, et cetera, don't even know their names, 
but saying to the group, I don't know who's doing what. I don't know why things are falling through the cracks. I mean, I see a room full of people here. What is everybody doing? I can't tell you how many times I have witnessed that. And that just indicates that you don't have a handle on your operations. It also indicates, unpopular opinion, that here goes, you don't have a great deal of respect for the infrastructure or for the people that are running your organization. So here goes. Any founder business owner understands that alone they can only take the business so far. So when an individual turns from a solopreneur into a business owner with several team members, it is a blessing. And because of that collaboration, you, the business owner, are able to make more money because you are leveraging the time and the skill sets of others. Never forget that those others, though yes, in a business ecosystem are fulfilling a role with responsibilities, who should have a clear understanding of the results they're going to drive and also have the requirements to do the job. Yes, all of that. But they are people. They are human beings with goals and dreams and families and hopes who have decided that they are going to earmark a huge percentage of their day not just time, but mental and emotional investment into you and your company. You have a responsibility to bring these people on with a great deal of respect, with a framework, with a well thought out and documented plan for them to succeed, not just to succeed in the role for you, but to succeed for themselves. And this can be done so easily and so quickly if you take the time to care. Again, you don't need me, the strategy specialist, the turnaround specialist, to come in and make magic happen. You can start these best practices when you begin your business or when you bring on that plus one the two of you can sit down and start to track data, start to track your key performance indicators, start to track number of transactions, how long it takes. Can we systemize this? Can we make this more efficient? Can we shave off time? Can we make this a more enjoyable experience for the employee when processing or handling this type of transaction? Oftentimes, we're so focused on making the experience great. The customer success journey. What about the employee success journey? And that's something that I take very seriously for two reasons. Number one, it's important for me, for my employee or team member, after they have been with me, to have left better. Number two, when you have 
clear and concise roles, responsibilities, results, and requirements, it sets the business up for success. So it's a win-win. Now, where did I learn this? Well, it wasn't in college. It wasn't in my MBA program. It was actually in real life. So here goes story time. I was working for the city of Las Vegas in municipal court. And basically, it's where we handled all of the traffic infractions. So picture DMV, picture take a number, a cumatic system. So in the morning, there would be a line outside the door. And when the doors open, there were eight windows and there were eight associates behind those windows ready to either take your payment, assign you traffic school, take your bail or send you to court. That's it. Okay. It was very straightforward. Those were the options. So customer would walk in. Notice I used the word customer. Guess what? I was the only person in the department who used the word customer. Do you know what all of my colleagues called the individuals walking in? Defendants. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is a traffic ticket. I need everybody to calm down real quick. So the customer would walk in, hand me their ticket. I'd look at it, see what their options were, give them their options. They would do their best to make an informed decision. If I thought that they didn't quite understand, I would explain it thoroughly or I would write it out pros and cons of each decision just so they had a full understanding. They'd make their decision, do, 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 done, the end. I was the youngest person in the department. Month after month after month, I was the number one in the department. How did you become number one in the department? You were graded on two things how many transactions you processed, and your level of accuracy. So immediately, and mind you, this is my very first like formal official job, okay? Immediately, I'm number one month after month after month. So much so that I'm processing two times the amount of transactions as everybody else in the department. Cool, great. Didn't make me any more money. It didn't matter, frankly. I wasn't doing it for the gold star at the end of the month. I wasn't doing it for the possible promotion ability. You know what I was doing it for? I was doing it for the customer who I knew had to take a day off work to come handle their personal business. I was doing it for the customer who I knew came an hour early to be the first in line so they could get possibly back to work or to their families or whatever they needed to handle. I did it because I respect people's time. That's why I did it. Because if I could handle double the clients, then that means the client didn't have to wait longer or possibly come back the next day. Again, customer, client, not defendant. And I worked in government for several years. And I maintained this level of excellence. Again, not because I was personally benefiting from it. I did it because it was the right thing to do. You know, don't get me wrong, I did get promotions. You know, I even worked in the jail where I processed bails and I kept that same mindset. Customers, let me process your transaction so I can get you bailed out. Let me tell you why. Again, it's your life. You have to handle your business. Your family has come down to assist you in handling your business. On top of that, there's a whole organization, the actual county jail that needs to be running efficiently and we hope is not going to be overpopulated if we can, in fact, be efficient on our side and handle bails and OR releases in a timely manner. It's about having respect for the ecosystem. It's about having ultimate respect for people's time. 
Hey guys, I just want to take a quick break to thank all of you for listening to the show so far. If you enjoy what you're listening to, consider giving it a five-star rating, a review, and even share it with someone who would love to hear this kind of content. Thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. So you see, I say, and I use the word time a lot. I take time very seriously. So when I come into a business, the first thing we do is time studies. We sit and watch how long things take. And when you take the time to do that, you're giving it your attention and you're giving it your intention to improve. Things that you may not have noticed before because you weren't paying attention or didn't have the time, you now notice. Example, I'd heard through the grapevine that a department was keeping people overtime. There was a problem with the system. The existing team was getting behind and customers were getting upset. So they were asking these individuals to work overtime. After a few weeks, because the issue had not been resolved, those individuals were not able to continue to work overtime. So I heard chatter that they were trying to bring on other people to catch up. So I thought to myself, let me look into this. And the reason I'm wired that way is because I'm a realist and I'm very self-aware. And I think you need to be too, especially as a business owner. There is so much time in the day. And the more intentional you are with time, the more you can accomplish, right? So it wasn't me being nosy, trying to prove that a department was running inefficiently. No, it was the reality that most of the time things could be running more efficiently. And because this department was in a state of crisis, it wasn't that I was completely against bringing on a new team member, but we all know what that entails, bringing on a new team member, training them, learning curve, them making mistakes, right? So it kind of compounds the issue of being behind and upset customers. So how can we solve this problem quickly? Well, you go down and you look at what's happening and you get the data. Okay, how far are we behind? You know, what's the number that we have to catch up on? How long does it take to process this number in, the, in you know, a real life situation? Okay, so once you do the math on that and you have these how many team members, then you start to discover how long would it take the two team members that are already trained and proficient. But what's magical about this, again, because you're really paying attention to the process while you're looking at it, you're going, wait, why do you do that? That's weird. Oh, well, that's how I was trained. Okay, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know, but that's just how I was trained. Oh, God. Well, let me look into this because I think I can improve this and it will save you a headache and then as a byproduct, a ton of time. So. Something as simple as a data entry task, I noticed that when going from the form and entering the data into the system, the columns weren't aligned. So you'd have to tab, 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 delete, delete, return, return to get it in. It didn't just flow, okay? And so obviously data entry people, they need flow. You hire them because they type over 100 words a minute. But their 100 words a minute doesn't mean anything if they're having to fumble around because things are not aligned. So first thing I did was I called our computer programmer. I sent them the form. I said, hey, 
Can you make the screen match the form? Done in 15 minutes, he charged me $55. Following day, I shimmy down and I go, hey. I go, you know, I'm still gonna work on this. You know, I don't have a permanent solution, but I think we have an improvement. And then I'm like, go ahead, type it in. See how fast. Oh, wow, this is a game changer. Cool. So just keep going. Let's see. Let's see how much traction we can gain. And sure enough, we didn't have to hire anybody else, nor did we have to work any overtime. To be honest with you, what used to take eight hours ended up only taking four, all by changing and streamlining a process. Now, somebody might go, oh my God, now you're only gonna use me for four hours. You're gonna let me go. Now my full-time job is now in a part-time job and I'm being punished because a process or system improved. No, 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 no. Because my fellow founder, business owner, I know that you have a long laundry list of things that need to get done in your business that you can never get around to because you're running out around putting out fires and you don't have things running optimally. So now that you have a team of two where you just freed up four hours plus four hours, which is eight hours a day, what more could that individual do to either add value to the department grow the department, you know, and this is where you have to come in, you know, and reinvent, possibly not retrain, but add valuable skills to these individuals where they can continue to help the organization, add potentially new roles and responsibilities that are either in scope or not in scope. And that's the thing. You have to have an organization, you have to have people in your organization who are pliable, especially a growing business. It can't always be the same. The only thing that you have to define immediately is what does the business have to do? What are the functions? What are the operations that has to happen for this business to run? That's when it's not personal. That's when it's literally just a list. What has to get done in the business, period. And from there, you start to plug in the who. Who can do these things in the business? And then from there, you take it through another filter and decide, you know, is this optimal? Are they being compensated properly? Is this an area where they can showcase their talents? You know, do they have this skill set to do these roles? If not, how can I enhance that or support them until they become proficient, et cetera? But this list, this list of roles and responsibilities has to be a master organization list with no names at first. And then from there, the names plug in and plug out. Nothing personal. Because again, when you're building your organization, you have the responsibilities and you have the results that are going to drive that role, right? All of this has to be calculated and figured out and designed before you put the person into it. And new business owners just don't do it. So it was just a few days ago, I'm working with a friend whose business is scaling. She has brought on a plus one. Plus one is great. She has absolutely no complaints. We actually are collaborating on a few projects. 
So me being just curious and nosy asked, hey, you know, how are you handling this? What is your volume of this? How many emails? How many consultations? You know, she knows how many consultations she's doing. She knows that she's closing at a 20% rate, which is huge. Those are incredible metrics that most people don't know in the beginning either. But from there, I want to know, what does it take to get to that, right? How many calls? How many emails? How many texts? How many reminders? And she doesn't have that data. And without that data, we can't responsibly scale. So by driving sales and not knowing how long it takes for the customer support, for the individual who's providing the actual customer support, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Because you can have an individual who has all kinds of roles and responsibilities and they're doing fantastic in your organization and they're used to answering 20 emails a day and being on the phone, say, a total of two hours, you know, 11 minutes per call, X amount of calls, et cetera. And listen, I know all of these numbers for all of my departments in all of my businesses. Why? Not because I'm being big brother, not because I am micromanaging anybody. No, because I've been on the flip side of this. I've been on the flip side of this where I had a team who was effectively managing their workflow and then we started to scale. And instead of being responsible for answering 20 emails a day, it was now 100. But they didn't want to say anything because they love their job, they're grateful for their job, and they're very excited and supportive of this expansion in the organization. And they sit there and they don't want to feel ungrateful. Or if it's a culture where you're not allowed to say anything, you know, they don't want to jeopardize their job. And that is tragic. You never want to put your team member or employee in that situation. It's your responsibility to know if they answered 100 emails today versus 20 yesterday. It's your job to know the why behind it. And it's your job to ask, are you okay? Do you need support? Is this going to be an ongoing thing? Or is this just a one-off? It's your job. Your team member, your employee who has no equity stake in the company, they don't want to work 10 hours a day. They don't want to be stressed out. They don't want to have that level of pressure. It's not fair to bring on a team member and introduce them to a workflow that they're succeeding and excelling in. And then as you grow, you're piling more on them. And it's not about the money. Let me tell you, all of the years I've been in business, it has never once been about the money. They feel like you don't care because you don't know what's going on in your business. Whose fault is that? You know, now, if they came to you to disclose it, hey, volume is up, transactions are up, you know, things are getting a little tight here, we may need some help, here are the metrics, you know, and you ignore them. I've seen that happen plenty of times. And again, on the flip side, I've had teams that have been operating where business slows down and they're claiming that it's difficult and that it's hard and they're stressed. And I'll look at these numbers because I have 10 years of rolling data and I'll say, okay, that's unusual. You know, phone time was down 25%. Emails were down 17%. So why don't we have time? But I don't make it accusatory towards them. I then take it a step further. Okay, is there another system or process that's broken? 
Or are the customers demanding more, you know, of the customer service rep or what have you that I'm unaware of? Have dynamics changed? Has something changed? But if you don't have these baseline numbers and understanding of things, there's no way that you can course correct. There's also no way that you can hold anybody accountable. And there's no way that you can advocate for anyone, your employees or customers. Without data, you are flying blind. So this isn't a money thing entirely. When I tell my friend, good friend who's seen me do this a million times over the last 15 years, and I tell her that I'm taking on a new organization and I'm doing the spreadsheet and then like we're adding the columns. Okay, how many emails? How long do the emails, you know, approximate? We're like doing the math and I'm like, okay, so that'll be two hours a week minus, you know, another hour a week. I go, okay, well, only 30 hours left to go. What else are they doing during the day? And the CEO's going, gosh, I don't know. And I go, okay, well, let's just find out. Again, it's something you don't know and you need to know. And then we document it, but we do it collaboratively. And it's not as if, again, that we're micromanaging and coming in and questioning the individual's integrity. No, not the case at all. We're doing it from a standpoint of advocacy and sustainability. Because if you start operating too heavy, if the people are not clear on roles and responsibilities and how it all works within the organization, I am telling you that you will be running way too heavy and it will all come to a bitter end eventually. And the last thing that you want are team members and people who have come in to support your dream, your vision, to be salty and bitter with you, all because you wouldn't do a freaking list of roles, responsibilities, results, requirements, and a, do a time study on it. It's it. It's it. This will save you so many hours and so much mental agony by doing this one exercise. So my advice to you is to do it early. And my advice to you is if you're already rocking, rolling, and you haven't done it, do it now. Do not wait. Get it done. Get the numbers. Get the truth. You will be better for it. You will sleep well at night, I promise. And even more so, you will be operating with integrity and because you're taking the time to do this, it will be evident to your entire team that you care, that you care more about them and the operations than you do about the sales and about the customer success experience. And I know that is an unpopular mindset because number one is your CEO, the visionary, the individual who drives the sales. With no sales, with no business, there is no operations. Fact. But with no operations, there won't be any customer retention or happy clients. So they go hand in hand. And so many people focus on the number one. Again, no number one, no business. But no number two, no business either. So you have to prioritize both. Like I said, I'll throw my simple spreadsheets in the notes. I hope that you download them, look at them, and get excited. 
on how easy it is. Look, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just documenting. We're just documenting processes. It's the boring work. It's the boring and tedious work that make things exceptional. I hope this gives you confidence and enthusiasm to prioritize it. And feel free to reach out if you have any questions. It's something I love to do. I do it really fast. And I know how important it is. And I know the power of of this exercise, how it can literally change the trajectory of your business. So that's why I decided to share this particular tip with you today. <music>